morning. How are we doing? Good? Doing all right? That wasn't overly enthusiastic. Usually I'd say, get out of your seats, but we'll let it slide. It's been a rough week for many people. We're going to be looking some more today at um, the Sermon on the Mount. They were in chapter 7, but something I wanted to kind of get on our minds before we even go into it is I had a cool specific example from yesterday. Before I even go there, what I want to think of is like, think of someone who you love dearly. And then think of how you feel when that person that you love dearly is in danger. Okay? So when you're when you think that they might hurt themselves. I think of a child, oftentimes we get ourselves into dangerous situations without realizing it. So maybe you can relate, you can think of a child who's gotten themselves into a dangerous situation and think about how it feels when you see that. Think about your feelings towards the child. Lord willing, those feelings are, are really endearing feelings um, because you care about the child and you love the child and you want to see them safe. Yeah? As I was thinking about this, I was going to start this off completely different, and this morning I woke up and was laying in bed and was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to go this route. And so I was thinking of a picture, and I think uh, Andrew can share it up here. I was thinking of a picture of my daughter. There she is. She's pretty cute. Um, And she's on a ladder, well, she gets really excited to do things. And so she scurried up this ladder. I was standing someplace over yonder, and she was here. And I was looking at the ladder, and, and, and two feet of the ladder were kind of like on ground. And the other two weren't really, you know. And, uh, and so I was looking at the situation, and I was like, boy, this could end poorly. But the lovely lady there with the smile on the right, Victoria, she had a much faster response than I did. I didn't say anything. I just kind of watched. I was like, how's this going to (laughs) end? But Victoria, like, quickly stepped in, and she took hold of the ladder. She saw someone who she cared about potentially putting themselves in danger, and she knew it. She could see that the situation was precarious and that this might end up with a a bruised knee or a bumped head or some broken glasses. And so she stepped in and she she grabbed the ladder uh, and, and, and Ava was able to clean the water safely. So maybe that gives us a good image. I want you to think maybe of a similar situation. It doesn't have to be with a, a child necessarily, but I think oftentimes uh, we get ourselves into precarious situations. Sometimes we know it. Sometimes we don't. Um, but do you see people getting themselves into that situation and, and people that you really love and care about, like Victoria was caring for my daughter, and, and you go, oh, I don't want this person to get hurt, and I love them, and I want to like encourage them and take care of this situation so they don't wind up with broken glasses, a bruised knee, or something worse. That's where I want to begin, and that's where I want our minds to kind of reside as we walk through 
the text today. The text today is Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Let's take a peek. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Or how can, we say, how can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it it is a living, breathing word that speaks and teaches and is relevant through every age. God, I pray that your word would be breathing into us today. God, that we would be looking, we would be learning, we would be listening, we would be taking in what your word says, and we would see how we can better apply it to our own lives and actions so that we can love better. God, bless this time in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Jim was talking something, Jim said something that I found just amazingly profound, um, and it was uh, what sparked my passion for singing the Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus song today. He said, uh, where we focus matters. Where we focus matters. And he, he was using the drum set as a reference of, like, the things of this world. And if we focus on the drum set and the cross is Jesus, then the cross can become kind of dim as we focus on the drums, right? And vice versa, if you're focusing on the cross, then the things around get strangely dim. And he said that, you know, we can, we can place our focus in such a way that, that Jesus becomes strangely dim. And that's, uh, that's a big problem. And I think that's really easy to do. I think it's really easy to do with a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And so that had me thinking a whole lot about sight. It had me thinking a whole lot about where I set my eyes, where we set our eyes as a community, how we focus on Jesus and how that impacts our ministries. As I was prepping for this message, I had was not I was thinking, you know, judgment and there's a whole bunch of things going through my mind. I actually wasn't thinking about sight and then it was like so, somehow randomly we're going to call it the spirit just bam. I'm talking about sight again here. He mentions it a number of times. There's specks and logs in what? In our eyes. Well, that'll impact your sight a little bit. Has anyone had a speck in their eye? Sawdust? Why, it's like every other day, man. (laughs) Uh, It hurts. It becomes hard to focus. 
I can't imagine what a log would feel like in our eye, but, but I think that that's an exaggeration to just say, hey, don't be a weirdo. You know, don't be, don't be silly. Don't be a hypocrite. Well, what's that mean? So last week we landed in this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Yeah? We remember that? Yes, we do. Great. All right. So, I think Jesus says this and then moves on knowing something because he's dealt with it his entire, like, walk, right, on earth, is that when you say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he knows that in the pursuit of righteousness, men often become what? Judgmental, right? Self-righteous. So if we're pursuing things in a way that's inappropriate, so when I see, he says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added, under to, uh, added unto you. That I think it's, it's easy for someone to be like, oh yeah, all right, sweet, seeking righteousness. Well, guess who was seeking righteousness? Pharisees were seeking righteousness. Not his righteousness, but they were seeking righteousness. And what were they? A bit judgmental, maybe? A bit judgmental, for sure. So we look at this and I say, okay, so we're, 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 we're dealing with sight. We're dealing with the pursuit of righteousness. And God is saying, I see a tendency for people pursuing righteousness the wrong way and becoming judgmental. So don't judge. Don't be judgy. Right? It's the first two verses. It comes with a stern warning not to judge. Don't judge, don't be judgy, so that you don't get judged. How you measure other people up, I'm going to measure you up the same way. Is that going to feel good? Hmm. If it ended there, then I believe it would leave us with shallow relationships where we're constantly tiptoeing around about out of fear of being judgy, right? So if it ends at, do not judge, the end, and we don't have any more to that text, then I think that discernment kind of goes out the window and relationships are a bit shallow because you're worried all the time. Am I being judgy? Huh. At least that's the way I think about it. So I believe the aim of this passage when we're talking about sight, when we're talking about discernment, when we're talking about judgment is... To overcome the blindness of our pride that keeps us from being lovingly helpful to our brothers and sisters. I'll say that again. To overcome the blindness of our pride that keeps us from being lovingly helpful to our brothers and sisters. We, when we see someone who is hurt, or is going to hurt themselves, and we love them, what do we do? You protect them. You help them. You show them what's going on. But there's a, there's a vast chasm between the feelings that you feel when you love and are caring for a person 
And when you're finding ways to bolster your own pride, self-worth, self-righteousness, there's a vast chasm. And if you're honest with yourself, you can see it. Because if you love somebody and you want to help them, you run to the ladder and you hold it. You protect them. You care about their well-being. That's what's at the heart of the matter. Right? But that's not how judgy often, it's not how discernment often looks, but it's certainly when we talk about being judgy, that can take a lot of different faces. I think that, that we, you know, you can think of stereotypical uh, judginess, um, you know, looking down the nose type things. For me, though, it often takes a more peculiar posture, my judginess. I often look at people, and I had to, I, I, when I was younger, this was way worse. Um, way worse. Being, being, my sister says preach it, so she knows. <laughs> this is way worse. And living and growing with my wife, who is vastly different than I am, and seeing the things, the challenges and struggles she's walked through versus the challenges and struggles I've walked through, has brought me to realize and recognize that, guess what? We're all different. Can I get an amen? amen? We're all different. So oftentimes what I find myself doing is I'll look at, who can I pick on today that's not going to be, I'll, I'll pick on Boo. He raised his hand. Thank you, Boo. Okay. <laughs> so... So, you know, when I, if, I would look at Boo, and maybe Boo is struggling with, with something. You know, he just keeps stumbling against it, tripping, falling, mud on his face, right? And whatever that thing may be. And, and, and I can stand back and look at Boo and be like, why? Why is he struggling with this? I have conquered that a million times. It's so simple. Something I used to say, I don't say this anymore. I wouldn't recommend it either because I think it comes from this position of, of, of not understanding the difference in people is pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right? Because I think the idea is that, hey, you know, I could, psh, psh, I faced that a, a dozen times and it was nothing. But that's not necessarily the situation for Brendan. And vice versa, the things that maybe I struggle with, Brendan might look and say, what is wrong with you, guy? Without understanding that I'm a different person. So my judginess comes from kind of this root of like living my life and being too small in mind to comprehend the vastness of individuality. That's where my judgy comes from. Maybe some of you can relate. So not understanding this vastness of individuality can put me in a posture that allows me to look down on, right? Versus if I see Brendan struggling with something, if I really love and care for him and his well-being, how does that feel? It feels very different than, get over it, son. You know? It does. It feels different. Now, it may not be received any differently, Right? I might go to Brendan and 
and be like, from my staring down my nostrils at him, be like, get over it. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Dude, you stink. This is easy, right? And that, that could really hurt. And he could be like, man, what a jerk, right? I could also go completely lovingly and see something and be like, ooh, you are doing this again and again, and, and brother, I love you. I don't want to see you fall, and I don't want you to see you keep hurting yourself. And he could receive it the same way. What a jerk. But that's not our responsibility, right? We're not responsible for how someone else responds. It's how we act, right? I think that gets to this, the heart of some of this. This observation, this log in the eye is a self-reflection, understanding the condition of our heart when we try to love well. Is it a, and, and realistically, I think that you can gauge based on the condition of your, how you're feeling in it, whether or not it's based in love at all. Could be based in a lot of things. We deal with insecurity. We deal with pride. Depending on who you are, you can deal with a lot of different things that can take place of that loving interaction with a person. Um, and so that's where we want to rest. We want to rest in that love. But we don't want to shy away from our responsibility to love well. And that, I think, is the risk that we can run into. I was chatting in in, um, in men's prayer on Thursday, and it is really such a blessing to be able to chat about these texts um, ahead of time in men's prayer. And so I encourage you, if you're a guy and want to pray together at 6 a.m., or if you don't want to pray together at 6 a.m., but you're a guy, just come down, hang out every now and then. You don't have to do it all the time, but it's a really, really wonderful time and very encouraging. So as we were discussing this, it came up that, you know, I think we tend to be complacent oftentimes because of concern of being judgy. And I thought that was interesting. And so I looked at some scriptures. We're going to look together. Second Timothy 4, 2 says this, Be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. In my mind, that says, don't leave the speck in your brother's eye. Galatians 6.1 says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. Watch that log. Lest you too be tempted. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction. So to me, looking at these texts and looking at our text today, in verse 5 in particular, where it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We have an obligation, like Victoria with Ava on the ladder, to love each other, to care for each other, 
But what's the condition of our heart? Constantly check the condition of our heart. This is for those that might be on the flip side of receiving such a uh, reproof or uh, reproof or a rebuke or exhortation. Proverbs 12, 1 says this. This one's, this is like, I love this verse, by the way. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates repute is stupid. I am just like, that's great. I, I love that verse. Um, so as we're receiving, it doesn't mean that the other person is necessarily right, but receive it. Maybe you don't need the correction, but understand that if the other person is doing their part to hold you accountable, to love you well, then receive it. Don't be threatened by it. What's that going to do? It's going to do nothing except for make you bitter and probably hurt your relationship with that person. Instead, let's assume, hey, this person loves me. They're coming to me in love. They want, you know, my good so that we can receive it, right? They don't have to be right. They can be wrong, and you can still receive it and go, hey, you know what? I love and care for this person too, and this is where that is coming from. Let's, let's get ourselves grounded there, because if we want to grow in community and have a love that is different than the love in our society, this is where we got to start. We got to be able to love each other to the point of holding each other accountable, uh, to the point of encouraging each other so that we can all be better together. But if we're constantly on the defense of like, this person's coming in, and if they throw that insult, they're going to catch a swift right hand. You won't be growing a lot. He who hates reproof is what? Stupid. So, let's not be those people. Let's not be stupid. And let's not be judgy. We covered that already. Let's not be judgy. Let's not be stupid. Boy, you put those two things together, and I think we could be really great at loving each other. I really do. Um, where, where am I? I'm lost. So, a question that could be coming to your mind. Well, how can I ever be certain, or sorry, how can I ever know with certainty that we are clear enough in our sight to take the speck out of another person's eye? And we've covered this a little bit, but I want to hit it again because I think this is important. The issue here is not about certainty. The issue is about humility and about love. And oftentimes, certainty gets us into trouble. Jim talks a lot and has an amazing passion for the lost. He loves people and wants to see people know Jesus because he understands the amazing gift that is salvation. But if we're questioning every interaction based on our own certainty, we probably won't get very far. We're likely to be uncertain. I think God set up the church so that imperfect and uncertain people can love and care for each other. Building each other up as we all grow together in Christ's image. Don't let uncertainty 
excuse you from obedience. Let's put it this way. If you see somebody who's drowning and you can swim, but you're uncertain whether you have enough strength to pull them back to land and there's no other way to save them, what does love do? You try anyway. You try anyway. Don't let uncertainty keep you from trying it may not be received well. Again, that's not your responsibility. It is your responsibility to receive it well. So let's be a community that loves well, that is understanding our position when we want to help our brother and sister, that the log is out of our eye, that we're seeing clearly, and that we're doing it because we love them, not because we need to somehow feel better about ourselves. And when someone comes to us and says, hey, this hurt, or maybe says something amazingly offensive to you, receive it. I'm not telling you to be a doormat. I'm not saying just let them just walk all over you. But I'm saying receive it, take it in, think about it, and love the person back. You know what that does? If they are coming in aggressively swinging at you and you take it, they just lose control of their weapon and it just goes all over the ground and suddenly they're like, oh, I, I, I love you too. <laughs> you know? So let's love well. Let's receive well. Let's encourage each other well. Let's look at, listen to this one more time. We're going to read the text one more time. I'm going to invite the musicians up. And I'm just going to say, I believe the aim, again, of this passage is to overcome our blindness and our pride, of our pride, that keeps us from being lovingly helpful to our brothers and sisters. And the text is, judge not that, you not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's worship together. <laughs>